Chapter 19 Marco After we let Jake sort of doze for a while, we decided that maybe sleeping between a dead, long-necked dinosaur the size of Nebraska and a moaning, sick Tyrannosaurus was not a great idea. So, despite the fact that it was so dark we couldn't see our own feet, we trudged on. At least it wasn't raining. After that big, huge flash, I'd assumed rain was coming. But maybe that's not the way it worked in this millennium. So, basically, everything is fine, I said, shifting my pathetically dim torch to my other hand. We're tens of millions of years in the past. We have no food except charred scraps of dinosaur on a stick. There's a river over there, but if we do go and get a drink, some monster crocodile will jump out and chomp us. We're lost, which is fine, because, let's face it, we're not exactly looking for the nearest Taco Bell, so who cares where we are? Plus, just to make things perfect, we're wearing Tyrannosaurus skin sandals, which is going to really, really endear us to the next big Rex we see. I wish Rachel were here, Cassie said. Yeah, I said, suddenly sad. She'd say something like, I can stand the dinosaurs, Marco. I just can't stand listening to you whine. Jake left softly. You do a pretty good Rachel impression. I heard Cassie sniffle. You know what occurs to me, I said. We survived, right? I mean, twice we've been jumped by Tyrannosaurs, or Tyrannosauri, whichever. I'm still here, and I'm not Captain Heroic. And Jake's still here, despite the fact he's a big, clumping, clumsy oaf, and not even all that bright. Thanks, Jake said. My point is, if we could survive, are you going to tell me that Rachel and Tobias, Xena, Warrior Princess, and our bird boy who has to hunt his breakfast every morning, didn't make it? Come on, anything that wants to kill Rachel would have to be meaner than Rachel, and you know that's not even possible. Cassie chuckled. She sniffled, too. The truth was, I was talking total bull, but who knew? Maybe, somehow, Rachel and Tobias really did make it. It was easier to believe they did. I've always said you make a choice in this world. You can see the world as being tragic, or you can see it as being funny. Some things just flat out aren't funny, of course. But with very few exceptions, you can usually find the humor in life and in people. I guess if you want to see the world as being sad, terrible, unfair, boo-hoo, boo-hoo, that's fine. But man, what kind of life is that? We trudged. We stopped and dozed. We got up and trudged some more. And gradually, that humongous comet in the sky grew faint as the sky began to light up with the rising sun. Then, with shocking suddenness, pop! The sun just seemed to jump up off the horizon. I tossed away my charred stump of a torch, closed my eyes, and spread my arms wide to welcome good old mommy's son. It illuminated a scene out of some museum diorama. The plane stretched out before us, punctuated now with clumps of trees and sudden jutting rocks. The stream still wandered beside us. The woods were off to one side. The volcano was still smoking away, looking intimidating as it towered up above the plain. And scattered about on that African-looking savanna, where you might expect to see gazelles or wildebeest or lions, there was a small herd of triceratops. They moved along calmly, maybe a hundred of them, like an Old West buffalo herd, I guess. Only Buffalo Bill would have hung up his hat rather than go after these bad boys. 
Does the rising sun make humans feel more optimistic? Axe asked. Yeah, unless it's a school day, I said. We are the same. It doesn't make complete sense, but it does make me feel better. I can see. Seeing is useful. Plus, it blanks out that comet, and that thing was starting to bug me. On the other hand, I'm looking at a bunch of dinosaurs the size of cement trucks, so... The comet bothered you, but not the flash of light? Lightning? So what? No, no, not lightning. I assumed you knew. It was artificial in origin, not natural. It took me about five more steps before I said, what? I stopped. Jake stopped. Cassie stopped. Artificial? Jake asked. What do you mean, artificial? Doesn't that mean man-made? Or at least, made? Yes, of course. The flash was not a naturally occurring phenomenon. It was all wrong for lightning. My stock eyes are capable of seeing a little further into the ultraviolet and infrared spectra of light, and... Just tell us what it was! Cassie yelled impatiently. That shocked us all. Cassie never yells. But then again, maybe she's just not a morning person. I believe it was an explosion. I would have thought it was a Dracon beam striking a target. Only it was too blue. Jake took a deep breath. Ox, do me a favor. Don't assume we know these things, okay? Yes, Prince Jake. He said. Jake looked at me. You think the Yurks got transported back to this time with us somehow? Prince Jake, I don't... Don't call me Prince, Jake said automatically. There weren't any Yurks anywhere near that submarine when it blew up, I said. Especially not any Yurk spacecraft. I mean, come on, I think we would have noticed. It isn't the Yurks, Axe said. I assume there must be some sort of highly advanced species of these dinosaurs. But it isn't the Yurks. Highly advanced dinosaurs, I said. Professor T-Rex? I don't think so. Last night, I saw some weird flashes far off, Jake said. Me too, Cassie said. I assumed that they were lightning or something. We resumed walking. Axeman, I think maybe you're just nuts. Me? Wrong. It is possible, Axe said dubiously. But the nature of the light certainly seemed to... He droned on for a while about the wavelengths and the retinal impact patterns and distant sense and a lot of other Andalite stuff that humans would probably learn about someday. I tuned it out. I was watching the Triceratops herd, which was far off to our side now. I mean, come on. Every little kid has a toy plastic Triceratops at some time. And here they were. Real. Actual dinosaurs moving along, munching the grass, occasionally using their huge long horns to dig up a tasty herb. It was cool. Set aside the fact that we had taken a big elevator ride about ten floors down on the food chain, it was still cool. Oh man, look, I think we're coming up on some kind of big gorge or whatever, Jake said. The prairie before us did seem to stop suddenly. The grass wasn't waving beyond a certain point. We'll have to go around, Cassie said. Why? 
I wondered. Where exactly is it we think we're going? What do you want us to do? Jake asked peevishly. Sit down right here and start building a new civilization? I'm just saying, it's not like we have an appointment to be somewhere. We marched on, unable to see the extent of the rift till we got close. And then, suddenly, we could see it. It was incredible, like walking up on the Grand Canyon for the first time. We were at the edge of a valley, hundreds of feet deep and miles across. It gave me vertigo just standing there, like I might fall in. And it would be a very long fall, with plenty of time to scream on the way down. But that wasn't what really knocked the wind out of us. Because, see, the valley wasn't empty. Down there, spread across a mile of valley floor, were glittering, shining buildings. Buildings. And hovering protectively above those buildings was something that looked an awful lot like a flying saucer. Chapter 20 Tobias How's the wing? Rachel asked. It itches. How are your feet? They hurt all over again. Am I hurting your shoulder? Nope. Not like you hurt my stomach when you opened me up like you were gutting a fish. I said I'm sorry. I said it over and over. I know. I'm cranky. I didn't exactly have a good night's sleep. I seem to remember having to morph the grizzly bear, only to have you come along and slice me up like I was a pepperoni pizza. Slice me up like I was a hunk of cheese. I sighed. I tried to balance on Rachel's shoulder without digging my talons in. We'd ripped a patch of the dead Deinonychus's skin to cover her shoulder, but it wasn't staying on. Sliced me up like I was a ham, Rachel muttered. Like I was bacon. And eggs. And some hash browns. Denny's. I'd give up shopping for a Denny's Grand Slam breakfast right now. The one with the pancakes. Get the hash browns as a side order. Two sausagelings. Two sides of bacon. Two eggs over medium, you know? Not too soft and runny. I don't like them soft and runny. Maple syrup on the pancakes. Has to be maple. What kind of person puts boysenberry syrup on pancakes? So I'm guessing you're hungry. She turned her icy blue eyes toward me. Like a loaf of bread. That's how you sliced me up. Like a loaf of bread you get fresh from the bakery, all crusty and crispy and golden on the outside, and soft and white and still warm inside. And raspberry preserves. Has to be raspberry. I like Smuckers. A big jar of raspberry preserves with the seeds. I mean, what kind of baby has to have seedless preserves? I looked at her with my hawk's eyes. I was inches away. It was like looking at her through a microscope, practically. She hadn't slept, hadn't brushed her hair, and she was in a bad mood. But she looked great. I looked away. What was the point? Jeez. My own tiredness and hunger must be affecting me. I was starving. I could see little shoe-like mammals flitting between tree roots and cowering beneath ferns. But with a busted wing, there was nothing I could do. All I could do was watch the trees as we walked. We had left the Deinonychus pack behind in the night. As leader of the pack, I had snarled at them till they backed away. I left them looking lost and stupid. But pretty soon they'd get around to choosing a new leader. Rachel had acquired one of them. It hadn't been easy, but I'd been able to control the murderous creature long enough for her to touch him. 
Now we were wandering along in the forest, looking for food, looking for Jake and the others, looking for a clue of what to do. We were entering an area with more vegetation now. There were clusters of palm trees here and there, clumps of five or ten trees with some bushes around the base. It made me nervous. They blocked my view. On the other hand, hey, don't dates grow on trees? Not according to my mom. She's thinking about dating again. You know, it's been a while since the divorce and... Oh, you mean like dates you eat? I guess they grow on trees. On date palms, right? Like I know? Like I go food shopping out in the wild? Picking dates off trees and tomatoes off vines? And corn out of... I don't know. Corn trees? Corn trees? Corn trees? Oh, fine. I'm starving and you're picking on me because I'm not a farm girl like Cassie. We could go look at those palm trees. Maybe they have dates or coconuts in them. Something for you to eat, anyway. I could use a rest. And some shade. We headed toward the second nearest clump of trees. Two monstrously big triceratops were over in the shade of the nearest trees. Supposedly they were peaceful plant eaters, but they were as big as elephants, with three-foot-long horns. So no matter how peaceful they were, I didn't want to share shade with them. There's definitely something up in those trees, I said. I could see pods of some sort clustered under the fan-like fronds. We reached the shade of the tree. Rachel set me down on the ground and threw rocks till she knocked a pod down. It was brown, about the size of a coconut. She used another rock to bash it open. Inside was a whitish pulp. Well, what do you think? I don't know. Most likely it won't kill you. Rachel made a face. She held a piece of the pulp up to her nose. Smells okay. Then she shrugged, popped some in her mouth, and swallowed. Hmm, not bad. What's it taste like? I asked. I gazed up jealously at the fruit. I was low down on the ground, not able to see much but the towering trees. But something caught my eye. Through the smooth trunks and riotous bushes, I saw something curved. It looked ridiculously like a handheld fan, only much bigger. There were spines or spokes with brightly patterned green and red fabric between them. No, not fabric. Skin. But it had to be from something dead. It wasn't moving. Totally still. Rachel, I think there's something just on the other side of this clump of trees. See that? Yeah! The fan had moved. Rachel froze. Please don't tell me it's another of your dinosaurs. When did they start becoming my dinosaurs? Let's just back away slowly. Rachel reached down to lift me up. What is it? I can't see enough of it to tell. We backed away, keeping our eyes firmly fixed on the spotted fan or sail. But as we backed away, I realized Rachel's shoulder was getting tougher to hold on to. What are you doing? I'm morphing, she said. I'm hungry. You're hungry. Maybe we can take this guy down and have a nice big dinosaur breakfast. What? What? I'm morphing the Danynocarus. Danonicus? She couldn't answer. Her tongue was no longer human. Her skin was pebbly and rough. 
Her shoulders sloped downward, and I jumped off to land in the grass. I wasn't exactly happy with Rachel at that point, but at the same time, I wondered if maybe she was right. We had the Deinonychus morph. Why not use it? I began to morph myself. Great, it would mean resetting my splint yet again. This was no way to heal. Then again, starving wasn't all that good for your health either. The breeze shifted. The skin and bone sail moved. It moved to catch the breeze. Why? I should know. There was some fact hiding just in the back of my head. What was I forgetting? I pictured my toy dinosaurs. Tyrannosaurus rex, Brachiosaurus, Stegosaurus, Allosaurus, Spinosaurus. Spinosaurus? Big sail on its back. What about it? What was it like? What did it do? Was it a herbivore? Moving. Crush, crush, crunch. Up rose the sail as the Spinosaurus stood up. Crash went the bushes as it swiveled to look at us. Crunch went the tree trunk as it thrust its head through the trees to get a closer look at us. The head was bigger than Rachel. She was just completing her Deinonychus morph. Would she be able to control the dinosaur's active instincts? She was more experienced at morphing than I was. The Spinosaurus glared at us. Or at Rachel, at least. He's scared of us, she said. He's big, but he's probably just a great big prehistoric cow, right? Rachel, look at the teeth. Do those look like herbivore teeth? Oh. The Spinosaurus rose up to its full standing height, looming up huge behind the trees. The curved sail on its back was more than five feet high. Tail to nose, it was 50 feet long. It stood on two legs, smaller and weaker than a Tyrannosaurus, but plenty to move with. The Spinosaurus was silent. It just stared as two Deinonychus emerged from a girl and a bird. We can take him. That would be Rachel, of course. I'd never say anything so stupid. What are you, crazy? He weighs tons! We weigh pounds. There's two of us, one of him. One is plenty. Okay, then we run away. Now you're talking. We turned. We ran. We ran right into the Spinosaurus's mate. Chapter 21 Rachel What could I do? I had to attack. The Deinonychus body was surging with power and deadly energy. Then again, the Spinosaurus was way, way too big. To give you some idea, if we'd both been dogs, the Spinosaurus would have been a German Shepherd and I'd be a Chihuahua. No choice. No way around the second Spinosaurus. Attack! I yelled. I leapt. The steel spring legs lifted me off the ground, and I flew through the air, deadly raking claws outward. I was aiming for the Spinosaurus's exposed belly. Slash! With my oversized talons. Two bright red lines in the Spinosaurus's belly. Two little lines that looked like something the Spinosaurus might put a band-aid on. The Spinosaurus looked puzzled, and then it looked annoyed. It ruffled its weird sail back and opened its jaws and looked at me like I had Oscar Mayer printed on my back. Okay, forget attack. We go to plan B. Run! And that's when I noticed the other creature step smoothly out of the bushes. 
It walked on two legs. It was rough textured, like it had really chapped skin. It was reddish in color. It had two big eyes and a small mouth, all the same reddish rust hue. It stood about eight feet tall. It was carrying a weapon. It was not a dinosaur. The creature raised the weapon and pointed it at the wounded and angry Spinosaurus. I saw no flash, heard no explosion, but the Spinosaurus fell over. Like a redwood falling in the forest, it fell over. Wham! The second Spinosaurus processed this and decided to go back to sleep. Tobias and I stared at the rough-textured creature with the gun. What the... what is that? I don't know. Tobias said. But I can guarantee none of my toy dinosaurs ever carried guns. The creature gazed curiously at us with what seemed to be eyes, although they were mere indentations in its face. From its head, a pair of antennae, flexible as whips, grew and began waving toward us. Satisfied after a few seconds of this, the antennae were retracted. You may not kill those creatures. There are very few left. They are ours. All creatures are ours. All things are ours. What are you? It asked in a rough, raspy, buzzing voice. It was speaking English. Now, on Star Trek, you see aliens speak English all the time. Like that would be normal. But in real life, when you encounter an alien speaking English, it's just weird. You figure at the very least they should be speaking Russian or Japanese or something. Answer. We're dinosaurs, I said, feeling fairly idiotic. You speak now without making sound. Explain. Why don't you explain, I said. Who are you? What are you doing here? And how do you speak our language? We hear you while you are talking, listening long time, since night. How did these guys manage to follow us and listen in? I asked Tobias. I don't know. I would have seen him. Change to your other form. He's seen us morph. What are you? Tobias demanded. We are the Nask. This is our planet. Change to your other form. Pushy, isn't he? I said. He's got the gun. I don't like him. He smells, for one thing. And the smell. Something familiar about it. Something wrong. I can't quite remember. Can't quite place it. But something's wrong. This weapon can cause creatures to become unconscious. This happened to the great beast you were attacking. But it can also cause death. Change into your other forms. Or I will cause your death. The Nesk raised the weapon and pointed it at us. Now, maybe I have to back down before a 50-foot-long Spinosaurus, but I faced plenty of pushy aliens with ray guns. I knew this Nesk character with the eagle problem would expect me to charge him, like a dinosaur. But I'm a human. Better yet, I'm a gymnast. So just like on the balance beam, I spun on one leg and whipped my rigid tail into the Nesk. Take that! My tail hit hard. It slammed into the nest at his chest level. My tail broke him in two. The top half simply fell off, like I chopped through a tree. 
Oh my god! I cried, horrified. I'd only intended to knock him down. But then my horror changed tone. The severed lower body seemed to be dissolving, breaking into thousands and tens of thousands of tiny squaring pieces. And the fallen upper body was still holding the weapon, raising it toward me again. No time for pity. I lunged, mouth wide open. I bit down on that raised hand. It dissolved. Crumbled. I felt a squirming in my mouth. Then stinging. Burning. I spit out the gun. It hit the dirt. And a wave made up of the next's body raced to reach it. My mouth was alive with stinging and burning. The tiny reddish body parts began to crawl out of my jaw and up to my muzzle, up where my eyes could see them clearly. Then I remembered that smell. The acrid smell of a tunnel, the stink of deadly automatons racing to tear me apart. Ants! The nesk were made up of millions and millions of ants. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. I have a couple of messages this week. I got one on uh, Tumblr, that is audiomorphscast.tumblr.com, where you too can write something in if you feel like it. Um, it was an anonymous... Wow. It was an anonymous message uh, that says, Love what you do. Thanks for it. And then a smiley face. Thank you so much, anonymous uh, Tumblr user. Uh, glad you like what I do. I also got one on Gmail from Misha that says, Who, me? Binging Animorph bootleg audiobooks in the year 2021? It's more likely than you think. We love opening with a meme, folks. Uh, I was always a huge Animorphs fan as a kid. Uh, I even wrote a book report on the Andalite Chronicles back in elementary school. And the release of the graphic novel really kickstarted my love for the series. Reminder to myself, I need to go get that. I've been meaning to. <laughs> um, someone on an Animorphs Facebook fan page recommended your podcast, and I have been listening to you nonstop for, for the past couple of months on my work commute. Uh, love that. Love to hear that people that aren't just like people I know in real life are recommending this podcast to other people. That's very cool. Um, I love listening to the short episodes rather than the supercuts because it gives me such joy to time my drive just right to finish three episodes exactly when I r arrive. I love that my episode time is consistent enough for you to do that. Love that you love the shorter episodes. A lot of people have written in saying they like the shorter episodes. I'm glad that people like that because I'm not changing that. I personally would just listen to the supercuts um, if this weren't my podcast. Um, but I'm glad that this is uh, something that other people, uh, this format, is, is working for people. That's very cool. As a kid, Axe was my, always my favorite character, probably just because aliens are cool and not because my child was my child mind was able to grasp the nuances of his character. Hey, fair point, they got sword tails, it is very cool. Followed closely by Tobias. Listening to the books now as a woman in her late 20s, I think I relate more and more to Marco and his sarcastic cynicism. I think he's actually quite an optimistic guy, despite all his griping, especially when it comes to his mom. He hides his smarts behind his smart mouth, and I think that's something that really encapsulates my, then parentheses, our, I don't know how old you are, you don't have to reveal that if you don't want to, generation. You've got me about right, I am gonna be in my late 20s for a little while longer, my birthday is coming up and it's a big 3-0, and boy, I don't have time to unpack all of that. <laughs> um, as of today, March 16th, I just finished book 16, isn't that a wonderful coincidence? 
Uh, when I get cut off, I don't know how I'm going to survive listening to only one episode a week. Keep up all the great work. I know that I and many others out there are extremely grateful to get to relive our childhoods through your reading. Your voices are fun and distinct, and the use of sound effects at opportune moments enhances the experience wonderfully. Thanks again, Misha. P.S. Here's an idea for a game. Take a drink every time Tobias mentions thermals. Honestly, the boy is obsessed. Yeah, that is uh, one of the recurring bits of Animorphs, is they always have to define what a thermal is for you. I I guess they were afraid kids wouldn't know what a thermal is. But um, it is always super interesting to me, like, which pieces of inf- information um, K.A. Applegate decided had to be in, in every book and which ones didn't get repeated. Um, yeah, uh, thermals, it's like an elevator in the sky, man. You know. <laughs> um, thank you so much for writing in, Misha. Uh, very cool message. Thank you for enjoying what I do. Um, and best of luck when you catch up and you have to only listen to once a week. Um, that's the struggle of podcasts, isn't it? <laughs> uh, other than that, oh, sorry. Misha wrote in to my Gmail. That's audiomorphscast at gmail.com if you too would like to use that instead of Tumblr. You can even use my website, theapocalypse.com. That's theapocalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, that has a like message uh, contact sheet on there as well. I don't know. Weebly gave it to me when I built the website, kept it, whatever. I'll, I'll read it if you do it. <laughs> Um, and then the final way, I guess, uh, you could send me a message by writing a uh, review on Apple Podcasts. I read those as well. That'd be kind of a weird way to send me just like a personal message instead of just reviewing the podcast. But if you wanted to, you could. I'd read it. Um, one way you could not reach me is by telling a friend about this podcast. But you should anyway if you want to. That is all I have for you this week. Um, a lot more dinosaur stuff happening. Uh, Nesk, super creepy. Forgot about those guys. Didn't like that. Oh, no. But uh, see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.